shelter of someone's arms There you were And I needed someone to understand my ups and downs There you were With sweet love and devotion Deeply touching my emotions I want to stop Thank you, Jesus I just want to stop Thank you, Jesus How sweet it is to be loved by you You know this song, don't you now? Where I'd be without you in my life Everything I did, you know, was just a bore And everywhere I'd go seemed like I'd been there before But you brighten up all of my days With your sweet loving in so many ways I want to stop Thank you, Jesus I just want to stop Thank you, Jesus. How sweet it is to be loved by you. That's a good thing, isn't it? How sweet it is to be loved by you. That's nothing better than that. Oh, yes. How sweet it is to be loved by you. better for me than I was to myself. Now there's nobody else, nobody else. Ooh, I want to stop. I thank you, Jesus. I just want to stop. And thank you, Jesus. How sweet it is to be loved by I like that. <laughs> We're going through it, ain't we? But yeah. 
the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we should not love our lives unto death. Wherefore rejoice for heaven sees In this world we shall have tribulations Therefore be of good cheer Scripture that said, I can overcome this. 
Why do I still just fear what the enemy's doing when power's been given us? And every time we lift our voices and shout, I have overcome, I have overcome, yes. I have overcome, oh, I have overcome, oh, I have overcome the world, yes. Younger, I could do this a lot longer. I wear out real quick these days. But God is gonna give us supernatural strength, a youth in this day. Soon there won't be ages between this, only the power of God. As He brings the generations closer together, we'll find we've got more than we had. against the brethren he got his warriors together and he said we're gonna throw the dragon out of heaven Jesus looked up in the sky when his disciples came back he said just saw Satan fall like lightning I just saw the fall of the darkness to the place where he cannot be doing much harm all of heaven rejoiced as they realized it's the power of the blood testimony, loving out their lives unto dead, and they said, he's out of here, he's out of here, all the heavens rejoice, the accuser is gone, and then they said, oops, watch out earth, <laughs> the accuser's fallen, came in by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. If we want to get rid of him, it's the same equation for you and me. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we saw when he first went, uh, was caught up into heaven. I was going to read that to you, but I wrote a song about it, so I thought I'd just sing it. And when he saw Jesus as a friend of his, he saw him as a, because he knew Jesus from before. But now he's looking at him and he doesn't recognize him. 
was always a question to me. And I'm the guys walking down the road of Emmaus. How come they didn't recognize the Lord? They'd seen him before. And he's talking away. And I asked God about that. I said, what's the deal with that? And he said, well, prior to uh, the crucifixion, Jesus was the DNA of man. But when he rose from the grave, he became the DNA back to his normal, his original DNA of God. Does that make sense? So we have a Christ. We could, we could be confused about all of that, but and it's fun. Go ahead and be confused about it. It's all right. It's not the end of the world. Uh, but what was really coming is the Father's trying to show us. Now we have Jesus who's going to appear in the clouds at one point with Lord of Lords written on him, King of Kings written on him, and then a name no one has ever seen. Whoops. What name is that? Name means reputation and character. Something Jesus is about to do, we will have never seen before. And that's always like, whoa, something's coming that we've never experienced. We're in trouble right now. Yeah, but something's coming that we've never experienced. But you don't understand. We're under pressure down here. Something's coming that we have never seen before. And everything we think we know about Jesus Christ will be trumped, if you will, by this one thing. He's going to be something we've never seen before. I was like, whoa, that's... Can I get a glimpse of what that never seen before? And it's even though John was looking right at us, I never saw that name before. And so what we're looking at. So meanwhile, Jesus is now speaking to his uh, to John and telling him to go to the angel or the messengers of the churches. And I'll do this really quickly and briefly because there's something real important about this. <clears throat> we have many theologians and really smart people, uh, have seen the seven churches as seven church ages down through many, many centuries and stuff. And there's nothing wrong with that concept. I think it's an awesome idea. Then the Lord said, yeah, but the seven churches are actually the seven, and they are still present. Everything he spoke to are present in the church today. And I said, oh, okay, now we got that on our problem list. You know, so which one of them is which, and so on and so forth. If you go to the seven, where the seven churches were in Asia Minor, they're not there anymore. How did that happen? Go to those very same places that these seven churches were and say, Jesus Christ, and someone will open fire on you. So how did it get reversed? Do you see what I mean? So lots of things when God does something on the earth, the enemy kills himself to reverse it, to turn it into something that it is not. We think taking the land is simply, I took the land. No, we must inhabit what we take. We must live on it. We must take it. We must stay on it. And you got to take care of it. Or the enemy will be right over tomorrow afternoon to take it back. Okay. Church of Ephesus. This is really uh, the, 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 um, the angel of the, right to the angel of the church of Ephesus. Uh, and write these things. Jesus answers all of these problems with his opening statements. And these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. The church of Ephesus needed, this is chapter 2 of Revelation, um, church of Ephesus needed to understand that the one who's talking with you is the one who holds your church in his hand. You okay with that? Be nice if Jesus was holding all the churches in his hands, but he actually isn't. You remember when we talked about the four horsemen, the final horse was mildew or the pale horse, and he rides through every place that God is not present and spreads killing mildew every place God's not. There's another seen back in scripture later in Revelation where a whole, the sky turns black with a locust coming up. Do you remember that? But there's a weird locust. They have scorpion tails and they have a lion's face. That's a pretty weird looking creature. But they blacken the sky. So I kept saying, what is that about, Lord? And he said, what is a locust? I said, well, those guys devour everything. But what is the scorpion? And they were given instruction not to kill with their sting, only to sting with their sting. So where, where scorpions live is where rotting structures are. So if, you, if you're determined to hang around rotting structure or rotting stuff like some of our churches can get to be, then there's a scorpion waiting to sting you out of that spot. 
That's what that means. If you don't want to get out of the rotting tradition, God will see to it that you do. Isn't that making... That's fun, isn't it? Okay, the church of Ephesus, I know your works and your labor and your patience. Ah, that you cannot bear those who are evil. I got a song about this too, but I won't sing it just now. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, um, and found them liars. When you say someone is saying that they're something they're not, that's called self-importance or mostly self-appointed. Did you ever wake up one day, I think I should be a pastor. There should be a psychiatrist coming to your house immediately and talk you out of that. But in reality, if you think, I think I should be, that's the wrong way to come to approach that. I think I should be, God should be speaking to you very strongly and telling you that with which you are got both feet dragging all the way into it. Yeah. Am I making sense to you by now? Yeah. Right. And so to really be hearing God, he has to say something to you. And to, then you have to just say, hmm, that sounds hard. Yes, impossible, in, in fact. Good. God's in, on the mark. He's doing what he does. He makes that with which you can't do doable. You know what I'm talking about. That's called a so-called apostle. Here's the even other word, a so-called apostle. Apostle means sent by the Holy Spirit. So I have to walk up and say, I'm sent by the Holy Spirit. That'd probably not be the person you want to talk to. That hurts your feelings, doesn't it? But that's my job. <laughs> because lots of times we get strong enough impressions, I've had plenty of them, that I think I need to tell the world what I just got as an impression. And there's nothing wrong. Thankful God thanks for Facebook, and we can puke all of our expressions right out there in front of everyone whether they're smart or thought out or not, doesn't matter. Just get it puked up and then we'll all decide it later. Until we have established what we have established means it means nothing. So you could say the heaviest thing in the world now on Facebook and nobody would hear it. Because that's just another thing. Okay, thanks. What's next? What's next? And that's what happened to us in here. Some things get said in here that ought to just raise the roof. But it's like, oh, that's good. Oh, that's good. That's good. But it doesn't change us. Anybody looking for edible food at this hour? I know when I had my gallbladder yanked out, every single thing had a completely different jello at the for the first time in my life was like, wow, that tastes great, man. Jello? You know, hospital jello? Come on, guys. You know, what's wrong with your brain? Think I got reset. Things changed. Now that tastes amazing. What's coming from here should taste amazing to us, but our taste buds are darkened by too much junk. You hearing this? Until we're like, until we just like, we live on that thing. That thing is right there peppering us daily. Anyway, I know to try to imagine turning the computer off, you might as well stop breathing. <laughs> Maybe you should for a while and see how good you feel when you do take a, a breath of fresh air. I can tell you I took fresh air breaths and said, God, am I glad I'm alive. It gets real simple when stuff like this starts to happen. Everything slows down and gets simple. I mean, that operation has been done 10 million times. Yes, I know. 10 million and one. All right. Are you okay? And you have preserved with patience. I like that. You know, you have labored for my name's sake. That means reputation and character, always remember. Uh, and have not become weary. I like that. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Uh, just when we thought he was going to compliment this church, he's going to slap it. Okay. This is what I have against you. Remember, therefore, where you have fallen, repent and do the works First, the first works that you did, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Hmm. We got busy and we forgot why. Today we talked about being glad. Are you glad you're saved? Is anybody actually glad you're saved? I mean, if you can't find if you can't find your joy there. You might want to check your pulse. You know, somebody says, well, we worship God, but why would you worship God? Um, 
Let's see. I'm not going to burn in hell. That's nice. Okay, that's a good one. All right. Uh, what else? Saved my life. Okay, that's good. That's good. Good. Healed your body. That's good. How many times do you think God has saved you today that you didn't even know happened? That's the issue we're not facing. He saved you 10,000 times before you got to church this morning. Didn't he save you from that fist fight you were having with your wife before you got here? Right? How many know that Sunday morning, 930 is when all hell breaks out? Yes? If the world's going to crash, it's going to be 930 Sunday morning, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yeah, anyway, I used, when I led worship all the time, that's it. The world just collapsed. Car's on fire in the parking lot, and the alarm is going off in the house next door, and I can't figure out where my guitar went. And that's Sunday morning. But this you have that you hate the deeds of Nicolaitans, those sweethearts, which I also hate. Uh-oh, we have Jesus admitting to hating someone. You know, Jesus loves us all. That is actually not absolutely true. He hates the Nicolaitans, and he just said that. Well, that's a spirit. Yeah, and then some. Are you hearing me? So don't get this con thing. We have this concept that, oh, Jesus loves us all the same. He does not love us all the same. He loves you with what you need for when you need it. You all right with that? We might as well get a hold of that. Might as well get a hold of that. And stop preaching it. Because you're not saving anybody's life by telling him, hey, don't worry, you can just keep being in a wretch. And that's going to be fine with the Lord. It is actually not going to be fine with the Lord. And if you've got a call on your life that he insists that you fulfill, he will be dragging you backwards uphill somewhere. Are you not paying attention, are you? <laughs> That's what's going on. That's how salvation is coming. Do you think this harvest is going to be people standing in the parking lot out there going, gee, I sure would love to be as nice as you guys are. That is not what's coming. It's lost, hard people, mad as hell for losing everything and wondering who the real Jesus is and you can't give him a flower version of this God. There is no flower version of this God. He's the real God and he has no intentions of coddling your misconceptions. He will tell you the truth right up front. I personally like that. Anybody else? I like the truth. I don't like the colored version of the, oh, it's okay, man, you did your best. No, you didn't. You did your worst, and you tried to get him to forgive you for it. And you did it on purpose. That's what's even worse about it. I'm talking about me here. Okay. But this I have, which I like about you guys, that you hate the Nicolaitans like I That means the hierarchy concept. That means the only way to hear God is through someone high up. That's what the Nicolaitans used to preach. And they also preached a thing called antinomianism. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? It means anti-law. It means the laws are good, they just don't apply to me. That's what Jezebel taught, that's what Balaam taught, and that's what Balaam taught Balak, so that the Jews could be, you want to overcome a nation? So Balaam, even though he was forbidden by God to prophesy against the Jews, I've lost you, didn't I? Sorry, I went too fast off. But, you know, Balaam and his donkey that talked to him on the road and so on and so forth. Balaam was asked by the leadership of the nation that Balak was the, the king of, um, was asked to prophesy against the Jews. He went to God. God said, do not do such a thing. Uh, and Balaam went back to Balak and said, hey, man, can't do that. God said, no. And so Balak kept sweetening the pot. I'll give you a little more. A little more important person will come by and ask you to curse the Jews. So finally, a really important person came, and doesn't Balaam go back to God and say, gee, um, you know, an important person's been asking me to do this. You think I should change my mind? And God said, yeah, sure, give it a try. Down the road, Balaam goes on his donkey, and the donkey kicks his butt instead. You know the story. It's, it's, it's wonderful. At any rate, years later, Balak comes to Balaam, and Balaam gives him the equation to destroy the Jews. 
And the equation is called antinomianism. It means to say, listen, you are saved by grace. Your God will hold you forever. There is nothing on the earth going to separate you from your God. You're the richest people on the earth. Therefore, a little fornicating wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? Some food sacrifice. You might as well loosen up a little bit. You never eat that stuff anyways, and it tastes so good. And all the things you want to do are waiting for you right there. So you're saved by grace. You have ever heard the saved by grace message before? Have you ever heard of hypergrace? That's all just staring right back at us right this minute. That's called antinomianism. That's Jezebel, that's Balaam, and that's the Nicolaitans. And Jesus says, I hate these guys. That's pretty powerful. That is precisely what I would like to avoid at all costs. And our nation is headed down that road as fast as it can possibly go into doing anti-law. God's law. Is it true? We're moving pretty quickly on that. At any rate, that's what he had to say to those guys. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. That actually is translated, if you've got an ear, bring it, and I'll tell you something. That's what that means. That's my translation of what it actually means. Never mind. Um, he who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of of the paradise of God. I will give you eternal life is what that means. There's a lot more to that, but I'll move on quickly. Uh, next church is the church of Smyrna. So I wanted to ask you this question. Do you think any of the things I just said in the Ephesus church or Ephesians is happening in the church today? A lot of it's happening. And loss of first love is a huge thing. It didn't take long to lose first love. We got caught up in all of the do's and don'ts. You know, we come, I don't know about you guys, I came to salvation a little later in life, like 35 years old. Um, and that's not late, but it was later than being born saved, if you know what I mean. But the, and as a result, I came into the church and we came into a real deep Bible church and they were studying, they were in the middle of the book of Job. I'm a brand new Christian. Whoa, Job. Yo, ho, <laughs> great. <laughs> You're nuts. I mean, that's an insane book to fall into the middle of. How about the cross and Jesus saving my life? No, you will be tortured with sores laying in the dirt. And your friends will come by and say, You're scum. And I'm like, Ah, you know, and then I was realizing this following Jesus is a strange event, isn't it? But we came into it, so we were quick studies because I was a shapeshifter. I'm a musician, after all. And so I fit right into the picture. What was going on? They raised their hands. Okay, ah, hallelujah. This, that's a little, that's about out there. Oh, I got it. I'm a worshiper now. And you see what I mean? I began to quickly imitate. How many of you came into this picture and quickly imitated what was happening? How many would actually have the nerve to admit that? It doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means I'm trying to fit. But we didn't realize God made the thing to fit you. You weren't supposed to fit into it. It's supposed to fit you. The Sabbath was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. We weren't supposed to fit this stupid picture. It's supposed to shape itself around us. That make you weird? You'll get over it. Then we could ask this question, well, how do I undo everything that I have done and known and now I feel stupid because I what? I, I imitated my way into looking like I'm a Christian. And the problem is that we ended up looking like Christians and not walking like them or being one. God does not ask you to do his will. He asks you to be his will on earth. We're not here to walk out stuff that makes me look like a good guy. I can do that all day long until I get back home. Then the good guy goes into, rah, 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 rah. you know, that guy appears in his place. The guy that hits the parking can barely make it out of the parking lot before the old Don came back, you know. So where are we going now before we get to the new, renewed mind man that God said, I'm giving you a new mind. Yeah, well, you better hurry it up because old Don keeps jumping up. And... You see what I'm talking about. Yes. 
that making sense to you guys? Sorry. Uh, the Lord said this uh, a couple days ago, he said, don't go in there and be serious. Okay. The angel of the church of Smyrna, the messenger of the church of Smyrna, why would God only want to talk to the messengers of those churches, by the way? Yeah, I thought so. That's the same thing I thought. Hmm. As of the Lord asked that question. Why didn't he just talk to the church? Because presiding over a church that God formed is a messenger. And that messenger in that church and that church suffer through the same consequences and the same blessings. That's why every church has to make its own sound. When you worship, it has to be the sound of this church on this land, written songs by those who drink this water and live here on this land. Because when you open your mouth from this land, you leave a voice print Amen. in heaven that when you leave that voice print, it releases the blessing that belongs here. Amen. And when we sing songs from another place, great ones, we release blessing there. And it falls on them. That's a great prayer, and it's a wonderful thing to do. But if you want some blessing here, then it needs to come from this indigenous DNA. But we don't have as good a song. Nobody in heaven said, oh, you don't have good songs. You better, you better do somebody else's DNA. He doesn't do that. It's yours, it's yours, and then it's yours. End of the sentence. The words that come from here are because this land is like this. The sound that comes from here is because this land is like this. I know this makes sense to you, so I'm happy to say it. Smyrna Church write this. These things says the first and the last. That means they need to know the first and the last. And who was dead and who came to life. They need to know that Christ was the beginning and the end. He was dead and he came back to life. How many have done that? Mm, so far, none. So there we have it. We, he's, that's what they didn't understand. This is Smyrna. I know your works, tribulation, poverty, but you are rich. And know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Yo, baby, I didn't realize they had little meetings. How about you? So now we're looking at something that's quite unusual. <clears throat> the synagogue of Satan, those things mean a lot of stuff. I have some, um, I do word studies, not like a theologian would. I'm not that, but I do enjoy studying the word of God. Anybody like it? Yeah, I really like the word. It's a, it's a real slug in the eye sometimes, but, and I write down a lot of things I think it means. <clears throat> Um, and then I hear a lot of laughter in heaven. It's like, hmm, okay, what's it really mean? And then the Lord will tell me, and I'm like, gee, I thought I was really close. <clears throat> uh, let me re-explain for a second the Nicolaitans. You're all right with that? I, this is the actual definition, so you can hear it. It's an ancient sect whose deeds were expressly and strongly reprobate. Isn't that interesting? Uh, some have supposed that they were followers of a man called Nicholas. That's in Acts 6.5, who was the first deacon of the church. Interesting. Whom they regard as having apostatized from the true faith. Did you remember John saying there have been many antichrists released? Do you remember that? Many antichrists. They were among us, and then they left us. John said that. So the way to, to, to wake up to the concept of the reason for gathering, don't get nuts about this, it's not a church pitch. It is, but it isn't, uh, is the reason we gather is to keep ourselves in check. Why? Because you're nuts. You're going to get off the mark. Are you crazy? Of course you're going to get off the mark. We're all going to get off the mark. And if there's nobody with which you can bounce your off the mark stupidness to, you're not going to get anything that comes back that gives you some straightening out. Do you think there's ever going to need to be a straightening out in how you think? Unless you don't want to know God at all, there's going to be some serious straightening out of how you think over and over. 
I always get ideas and write down a lot of stuff, bounce it off theologians, and they go, and I go back and I go, God, that didn't seem to be right. He said, yeah, because you wrote it. Huh. Hmm, here we go again. And then he gives me more, and then I'll go back to those same people, and they go, ooh, that's cool. And I go, see, God, <laughs> I got it right <laughs> on the 10th try. But if you're not afraid to be told that ain't cool, and you're not afraid to be told that ain't cool 10 or 15 times, you're probably going to get to the actual truth. Are, are you hearing that? And this is the best check and balance system that we have available. Okay, don't get offended. Yeah, get offended, and then get over it really fast. So anyway. um, for this view, however, there is no authority. Hmm. Others regard the term Nicolaitans as a symbolic expression, since Nicolaus, is another Nicholas, uh, means victor of the people, and Balaam means the devourer of the people. Hmm. Pretty fascinating, isn't it? The two in symbolic unity signify religious sed seducers of the people. It is more probable that the Nicolaitans were identical with those who held the doctrines of Balaam mentioned in Revelation 2. So that likely the Nicolaitans practiced fornication, eating food, sacrifice to idols, while outwardly professing Christianity. That means it's right in the house, folks. It's not outside yelling in the parking lot. That kind of stuff's right inside the church. That's why we must turn up our discernment buttons way much higher than they are at this point. We're allowing too few to tell too many what everything means. My hope all the time is that you will go home, grab your Bible like a Berean, and say, boom, I'm going to find out if that what he said was true. I'm going to dig until I find out. And if it ain't true, you'd be right back saying, hey, that ain't true. You know what I'm saying? So that we can have those conversations that are alive and real, not the ones that everybody under my thumb. It's stupid to do that. And there's no real church that wants that. They want you to be alive in the Word. This should be a challenge, not wakening. We shouldn't, we shouldn't be drinking milk forever. You know what I'm talking about. Time to eat some meat. Yeah. I had a steak the other day. I thought, boy, I never realized these tasted so good. I've been maybe three weeks without eating anything worth eating. Two weeks with just jello. And, um, man, steak was good. And then no problems. I said, oh. God, what a blessing. Just the stupid eat. <laughs> How many times are we not grateful for just being able to eat and enjoy it? I'd consider getting happy if I were you guys. All right. Um, sorry. I'm sidetracked. I will get to some important things here any second. The church at Smyrna. Um, I know your tribulation and your poverty. That word means helplessness, by the way. God did not make us defenseless. You know that. We have the greatest defender on the planet, of any planet, uh, only a call away. But a power of religion has caused us to think beyond what we're doing. Am I making sense to you? You get saved, 15 minutes later, we should be raising the dead. No, you should be starting your long discipleship. And then you move into your servanthood. And when you're done with that, you move into your friendship with God. You'll know when that comes because he starts telling you about the future. And from there, you move into sonship, which all the privilege we think we get eight seconds after salvation is here. It's not. It's a cost. Salvation's free. The rest of it is extremely expensive. Is that disappointing? All right. Actually, it's a groove. I'd rather, this David saying, I will not give to my father something that did not cost me. What are we doing if we think this shouldn't cost? It's, it's really 
I think it's exciting. I like it. At any rate. Um, but you are rich. So when the Lord says you're rich. That means they're rich in something they don't understand they have. And the slander of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. The Jews protested the Christians uh, there because of the city was faithful to the Roman Empire. That's why Smyrna was such a, a rough place. The city was often rewarded by the Romans for their faithfulness to Rome. So the Jews would mock the Smyrna church. Does that make, make sense to you? And then Jesus is telling them that, that the persecuting voices are really the gathering of Satan. Satan is the one who's always accusing the brethren. Speaking slanderously of, of another is a double-edged sword. The one being slandered falls into ruin for believing a lie, and the one speaking slander joins the synagogue of Satan, which basically means the gathering of accusers. The gossip that goes on in the back room could be called the gathering of the accusers. I know the first thing I did when I was going to church is um, when we first go into church, I felt like the worst person on the, on the earth, of course, uh, that I had no rights to be you know, among all these perfect people in church. So I looked as hard as I could to find a flaw in some of them so that I could feel better about my wretchedness. Anybody? And so the more flaws I found, is whoa, there's a flaw. There's a problem right there. That guy's got a flaw. Ha, ha, ha. So I don't have that one. So I'm one up on that jerk. And as we go through the entire congregation, by the time we're done, a whole place is a train wreck. I'm the only real believer here. You see what I'm saying. And we do this, and we've all done it in some degree, that I'm comparing my righteousness to that of another. And if so-and-so did that bad thing, I didn't do that. I'm better than that. And so we've never really moved into the deepest part of conviction, which the Holy Spirit will bring. Yes, I confess that I once sinned. I never did again, but I once sinned. Was, so repentance is once and forever, or is it always? Is it a daily? Do you know what taking up your cross, I mean, I've said this, you know what taking up your cross means daily? It means carrying it through the streets. It was a Roman a tradition. If you were convicted, you carried your cross through the streets with people mocking you and yelling at you, giving you an opportunity to confess. Before you were hung on the cross, you could say, I did it, okay, I did it, I did it, I'm a rotten guy. And then at least you were hung on a cross under confession versus under denial. That's called taking up your cross daily. Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is looking for me to confess daily the things that I thought were just my little bad attitude towards this or that. I've even had to confess, ask forgiveness for bad-mouthing Facebook for crying out loud, you know. <laughs> they deserve it. Yeah, well, God said, yeah, well, keep it up, genius. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> So verse 10, do not fear what you are about to suffer, says Jesus to the church. Um, Behold, the devil, the accuser of God, is about to throw some of you in prison. Oh, that's nice. Um, that you may be tested for 10 days and you will have tribulation. Mm. Tribulation means pressures of evil, by the way. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of glory. What would you happen if Jesus walked up here, stood on the stage? You guys are great. You're going to be in prison for 10 days. Don't get nuts about it. You know, it's going to be really horrible. <laughs> uh, but, you know, be faithful and persevere. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. We'd be out of here in a shot. This ain't Jesus. This ain't real. That can't be happening. Is that correct? Well, because the scriptures are metaphors and they're, they're uh, symbolism, we got to look at it a little deeper. So what he's really saying is you'll be, some of you are about to be put in prison. Prison means being watched or under surveillance. Do you think we're under surveillance now? 
if you have a phone, you are. If you have a computer, it's a stereo surveillance. You're under surveillance more than once. So we are, in fact, just like the Smyrna church, some of us are being tested with evil pressure called tribulation. Now, it's not coming. It is now. How many have felt very close to saying, you know, I'd like to throw this in the wind and get out of here? Anybody? <laughs> this is really hard to admit, but it's, it's, not the, it's not against the law. It is until you face that. You will never face that I'm committed to Jesus. And if you keep feigning the concept that I'm committed to Jesus, but in reality, I'm just talking about it, guess who's going to prison? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? This test will be to push you out or to draw you in. That's not good news, is it? Jesus is good news. It ends up being really, really, really good news. But man, the time and the test is not. If you make it through this and be faithful even unto death, that means being trustworthy even unto the times you feel God is absent. How many have prayed and felt like God is in Iowa somewhere? Not here, right? That's called, that's what he's talking about. That's what I mean by the symbolism that we are having such a hard time seeing. It isn't like he's talking about killing you. Some will die, it's not about that. But be faithful even when you don't feel my presence. I flew with Rick Joyner one time in his plane and, you know, he's very confident he's a good pilot and stuff like that. And we were flying into Charlotte and it was foggy and we're kind of making this wide swing about to come into the airport in Charlotte and all the dash lights, you know, go off, boom, blank. And Rick, you know, is looking at that. I'm saying, whoa, 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 there, the lights are all off. Thank you. And we're in the fog. I can't see nothing. And Rick said, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> you know, Rick, you know, that's not good. And I'm thinking, you say that's not good. I've just wet my pants here, you know. So, you know, we are in some serious trouble. And he said, the only thing to do is to stay on the course I am on right now. And sure enough, we stayed at that bank and we came around that corner and nothing, you see nothing. And finally, when he had a feel that it was time to level, he leveled out, boom, there's the dumb runway. And he lands. And he, of course, he tells that story because it's a very important thing. Stay on the course that you are on. Know God, stay on the course that he put you on and don't get off because the lights go out. You know how to fly. You know how to walk with God. You do. And don't say you don't. Well, he's not answered my prayer. There it is. Be faithful unto not hearing back from the king. And then I will give you a crown of life. This crown is the same word used for the crown that's on the head of the 24 elders. Did you know that? The elders are not wearing kingly crowns. They're wearing crowns earned from life. Did you know that? It's explained in scripture, but it's hidden in the usual fashion. Uh, it means for military valor, you win, win a crown for that. You can win a crown for nuptial joy, enjoying your marriage life. You can win a crown by being valuable to a community. That's what the 24 elders are wearing. That's what their crowns are made out of. They're valuable to the communities when they lived. They, were, they had happy marriages when they lived. Duh. That's a crown-winning thing? According to God, it is. And it puts you this far from him. Come on. I know you know what I'm talking about. It's getting late. Uh-oh. Um, I will... Um, all right. The, um, so now we're looking, so at any rate, he's given them the right things. The church is, is really going through. Um, the paraphrase of this scripture is, don't become terrorized by what you are about to experience. 
This, I'm paraphrasing this scripture, just using the meanings of the words. The accuser of God will be watching you for a way to destroy or prove your worth, worthiness in a good or a bad sense for a short period. We're in that as we speak. If you are trustworthy while under the pressures of evil, even when you feel an absence of God due to your disobedience, I will give you a victor's crown for a military valor for real life, says God. That's a way that we can look at this. Now, it's it all is supposed to end up encouraging. It actually is, for lack of a better word for it. If you've got an ear and you bring it to here, then I will show you something, says God. So if you go to God and say, tell me something, you might not hear anything. But if you come with a willing ear to hear whatever he has to say, he will say it to you. He will talk. He is not a closed mouth God. He will speak to you, but he speaks to relationship. Isn't that good? You like it? Okay. I will do this one church, and then I want to be sure I'd say this is a thing that you need to hear at the end that is very encouraging, I hope. And to the angel of the church of Pergamum write, Pergamum, do you know what that is? Satan's seat. That's where Satan's seat is. Uh, the words of him who has a sharp two-edged sword. That's what he was saying to them. Um, uh, he says to them, I know where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. Yikes. Yet you hold fast my name. That means my character and my reputation. How much fight do we give the world to keep my reputation, my character in good shape? Anybody struggle to keep your own reputation? Would you struggle that hard to keep the reputation and character of Jesus, not in favor, but in reality? Just the reality of Christ. Most of us don't even understand that. I'm too busy keeping my own reputation. How can I keep Christ's reputation? You know what I mean? I'm very busy here, you know. I am famous in my own mind, you know. Um, so, and you did not deny my faith, Christ's faith, even in the days of Antipas, uh, my faithful witness. Now, and the word Antipas was added by the Bible translators to try to explain who Jesus was talking about. Um, that's not actually in the scriptures, but in my faith, he was my faithful witness. That means he witnessed faithful. Who was killed among you where Satan dwells? Now, let me show you something about Pergamum. Sweet little place. Um, this is where the worship of the god of medicine started. Did you know that? I'm not going to be talking bad about medicine because medicine is not the issue. It's lack of repentance and the worship of it that's caused the problems. It's because it's not God. It's medicine given to us or allowed to us by God. Am I making sense to you? Don't get freaky about medicine. But I'll show you some stuff that'll get you pretty freaky. Did me. <laughs> um, the god of medicine, his name is Aslepius. I wish I, I think I'm saying that right. You wouldn't know. So it's Aslepius, which is obviously Greek. Um, and he was being worshipped in Pergamum. His daughters were considered goddesses. And their names were Hygieia, which means the goddess of cleanliness. And then Asayo. Uh, which is the goddess of recuperation from illness. You can see where this is going. Then Asayo, which is um, uh, the goddess of healing process. And then Angelia, which is, or Anglia, sorry, uh, which is the goddess of, of splendor and adornment. And then Panacea, the goddess of universal remedy. A little close to home there, all that stuff, isn't it? You can see where our English words, hygiene, comes from and all these other kinds of stuff. Now these are, in our present time, medicine, the only way to make a lot of money is for drugs to be, everybody take the same pill. Then you can make a trillion bucks. And so what happened to medicine is it got infected by the whore of Babylon. You hearing me? I'll tell you about what's going to happen to that sweetheart here in a second. But... 
So the whore of Babylon, that's the merchandising and the trading of things. That's the constant merchandising. That's called the king of Tyre, which is better known as Lucifer himself. There's something in this, and at some other time, we may get a time to talk about this, but the concept behind trading and merchandising is the most dangerous thing that ever happened to the human being because it awakened a greed that is murderous at its root. But it's like having an eating disorder. You have to eat. You can't just stop, but you have to get it under control. And that's what has to happen with merchandising. It's not about making money. It's about merchandising. And the word prostitute has nothing to do with females. It is all male. It's I will do anything to sell you something. That's called prostitution, biblically. Not a desperate woman. Am I making sense to you? All right. So if that's what's going on, what we have discovered, what's been discovered, is that the Lord is not condemning medicine. He is warning us to not worship this. Or there'll be consequences. You can't worship anything except him or there's consequences. And that's bottom line. Worship doesn't mean singing songs. They didn't stand around and sing songs to medicine. They worship. That means every bit of your attention is paid to this. I spend my time. That's called worship. I'm focused on one thing. You can be focused on God, or you can be focused on your health. You can be focused on your nice car. You can focus on anything you like to, when if you keep enough time doing it, you're worshiping a false god. It's really for your own health. It isn't because he's mad at you. It's your own health. You're going to kill yourself if you keep trying to do this. Anyway, long story short, let me read you this thing in, um, in, the, in uh, chapter um, 17. I believe I'm right. Chap chapter 17 of Revelation. This is kind of a jump, but it's encouraging, and I didn't want to leave you with thinking that we're all going to die. The other churches are, have a lot of other things that I can tell you about, and they're worth listening to. I think all of them are at some point. But in chapter 17, verse 12, the whore of Babylon is riding a beast. She is scarlet, covered, she's, which is actually the blood of the saints, and she's drunk on it. Now, this is the same monster that created that concept of prostitution, trade, I'll do anything to sell this to you. That's the prostitution that she, she began. Uh, the ten horns, which you saw, this is verse 12, uh, are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet. That basically means there's ten extremely wealthy and powerful men that don't have kingdoms, or families that are on the earth. And they're the beast, they're the heads of the beast she is riding. But they receive authority for one hour as kings with, uh, with the beast. Then, and I skip to verse uh, 16, it says, And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these will hate the harlot. Now listen, make her desolate, and naked, eat her flesh, and burn her with fire. That's the whore of Babylon. These ten powerfully wealthy people freak out over the whore of Babylon. Now listen, for God has put in their hearts, oops, God changed the hearts of the beast. Now we got you some problems, because when God changes something, it's changed. He changed the hearts to fulfill his purpose. Uh-oh, to be of one mind. Wow, to give the kingdom to the beast until the words of God are fulfilled. And the woman whom you saw is that great city which reigns over the kings of the earth. Am I making sense? So those ten wealthy, here's the, and here's the, quickest version. Our government is obviously powerful worldwide, although it's under shaking as we speak. That government is not 
functioning on mega money. It's functioning on mega control. It has to control to keep its power. And then it's split into two, two factions, which each are struggling to control for power. But money, big money, is bigger than that. You're hearing me? The ten horns are now the ten kings without kingdoms, are the beast that the whore of Babylon is riding. And God reaches down and touches their hearts and says, my purposes are coming to pass. They turn around and kill her and burn the remains. That's what God's up to. Now that may seem frightening and horrifying and so on and so forth. And it probably is, and it probably will be. But one thing is for sure, no matter, and she was drunk, riding on her back, drunk with the blood of the saints. I would be careful about getting drunk these days as you badmouth another person. I'd be really careful about that. And I think the body of Christ is coming to a time when our unity will be an undeniable force upon the planet that politicians worldwide will want to hear what the church is hearing concerning the times that are ahead. We should have been in that in the year 2000. We're just about 20 years late. That's about right for us. About 20 years behind the groove, and, but we're not going to miss it. That's the good news, is we are not going to miss this. And the Father is now infecting the hearts of the wealthy to turn against this kind of whoring which is no longer allowed. Amen? May God be with us and may God be with you. Uh, even though these things sound hard and these things are hard and we have even begun to talk about some of the harder things, but not only is that going to be something you watch from the wing, from under the wing, but the concept of Psalm 91 is now in action. It's worth the read. Take a look and watch the power of God manifest on this earth, on this land, and in this time. Not a time a hundred years from now, but in this time. And we'll make it. We will. And we'll laugh on the other side. Man, that was close. Yeah, it was. <laughs> that was close. In the name of Jesus, let these things be in your hearts. Everything that has come from his will and his heart to you, be it solidly welded into you. Everything that has come from my opinion, whether it snuck out or whether I intended it, may it be forgotten before you hit the door on this house. Let nothing that comes from man, opinion, stay with you. Everything that comes from God, his word, and the explanation of his word, which is what's coming, may that stay with you all the days of your life and have no reason with which to reject what your king is saying to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Master. I pray it. Amen and amen. Thank you guys.